Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Well, hey everybody, Passion and Purpose today. Zach's missing. Pray for Zach. You're a little sick today. And even if this video comes out later, you can pray for Zach all the time. That feel good. <laughs> so, uh, but hey, we got Mick Murray today. Many of you guys know Mick already, dear friend, uh, co-laborer in Jesus in the harvest. And here we are, man. It is October and it's been a really challenging deal going on worldwide. Uh, we're, we're just coming off the heels of uh, the massacre that happened in Israel our hearts are broken with the images. Uh, many of us have friends, family members over there, and you just can't minimize trauma and devastation in people's lives. That's why Jesus said that we're to look on everyone with compassion and pause. And in Scripture, we're admonished specifically to pray for Israel and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which extrapolated out the peace of Jerusalem. And though there's so many things we could say about that today, my main encouragement to everybody, pray, mm -hmm. empathize, be slow to speak, slow to anger, but quick to pray and to contend and then obey. Ask God, how might I be engaged at least in prayer, if not in other ways? Okay. Um, in light of that, this event kind of, uh, again, stirs us to say, all right, what, what is God doing in the midst of trouble? And uh, we're in the midst of trouble all over our world right now, but we're constantly in the midst of trouble. And uh, you and I have been spending the morning just talking through Matthew 24. And um, I'll, I'll set it up a little bit, and then I'm just going to feed you a few softballs, and we'll go back and forth. But again, everybody listening, this is in the context is, how do you find peace in the midst of trouble? Right. And how do you, in one way, interpret world events and respond appropriately, but not over-respond or under-respond, mm -hmm. but get people to Jesus. I mean, that's really the deal. So let me let me um, let me frame it up in this way. Um, I was uh, this 1991. I was in uh, walking out of a restaurant, and a guy came up to me. And at that time, uh, we the United States was invading Iraq uh, because Iraq had invaded Kuwait. Saddam Hussein at that time, many Bible scholars thought this is the Nebuchadnezzar of old, this is the Antichrist, a lot of stuff going on there. And I run into this guy, a real uh, well-meaning guy, good guy, um, and he said, Brother Jimmy, do you believe this is Armageddon? We've been studying the book of Daniel, we've been studying the uh, Revelation, and me and my friends were convinced that this is it. I, I think the Lord's returning. You know, uh, how should we respond? What do you think we should do? And, you know, um, I'm of the deep belief that God truly is saying, we don't know the date or the time upon his return. So maybe you guys right. Maybe God's doing something in this hour. And then I paused for a minute and I thought through my Bible a moment and I thought, okay, but there's another part of this puzzle, and it's Matthew 24, 14, where it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a testimony to the whole world, and then the end will come. And it's always been my 
belief that the partnership with God is that we are to be a witness to the whole world. And and I paused and I said, hey, there's two and a half billion people that haven't heard. And um, I think two things have to be present. There is the outworking of the prophecies of Scripture uh, for the end times, but there's also the opportunity for everyone to hear. And I said, you know, Jesus said, it's not for you to know, for you to know time or epics, but you're to be a witness to the world. And so I told my friend, hey, I'm not so sure that this is the moment, though, again, I don't want to be so uh, arrogant to think maybe I'm wrong, but there needs to be a great witness for Jesus to right. couple this to create the right environment. So that's kind of, I pause there to say, many times we're quick to interpret the times as an immediate outcome of the return of the Lord when God is actually trying to prepare us in the times to be a witness mm -hmm. for Jesus. So take us into Matthew 24 with that thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much context, too. This could be a whole—we could do a whole podcast, oh, like or a series of podcasts mm -hmm. on Matthew 24. In context, Jesus's um, uh, dialogue with the Jews before Matthew 24, and then, of mm -hmm. course, the all the parables of Matthew 25. And so—but, you know, you have— <clears throat> Jesus with the disciples and they're gesturing towards these these great buildings and um, and then Jesus launches into this kind of this mm -hmm. prophetic yeah. monologue that is is very difficult for modern readers to understand and interpret. But I think as we were talking about it this morning, Jimmy, in light of you know current events, everything that's going on around us, I mean, there's so much we could say. But um, in the middle of of Jesus explaining, you know. These will be kind of the beginnings of the birth pangs, the beginnings of the end. And uh, in the middle of that, in verse 6, he says, Do not be alarmed. Um, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. Mm -hmm. I think for you know, for myself, for our family, uh, and, and, and you know, another disclaimer is we live in a certain context, a certain time and space, and and we see the world through you know, our own perspective. And, and unless you spend a lot of time reading history and, you know, what is right in front of us is most pressing. Mm -hmm. um, these things are not new, and I'm not minimizing what's sure. going on today or anything yeah. else. But, uh, but for for Steph and I, for my wife and I, um, the sovereignty of God over the events of the nations, the the plan and purpose of God, uh, Jesus ruling and reigning uh, over not just our lives but the whole earth. Meditating on, I know you know we talked this morning about prayer, about mm -hmm. obedience to Jesus, about staying in the Word as critical for anchoring our emotions and our minds. But, but beginning with this idea, do not be alarmed for this must take place. That in you know when things are shaking around us as believers, that um, the perfect love of God casts out fear, mm -hmm. and our making much of Jesus, even while and you know for some of our listeners. Possibly the events that are going on in Israel aren't you know front and center in your world, but I think all of us have issues that press on us that steal our peace, whether it's economic or relational and so on. Um, there's an epidemic of health, mental health, right. you know, in our in our nation in the West, and uh, and this meditation on the bigness of Jesus. And I think mm -hmm. you know one of our challenges would be what are the voices you know that you're listening to. And uh, is the exaltation of Jesus um, commensurate with or 
or greater than the you know the fear that's rampant in the media and social media and so on and the speculation and so just right off the bat I think sure. if you look at Matthew twenty four and there's a lot of complexity here and there's a lot of Bible commentary on how do we read this was this fulfilled at the time of the Jews and so on and so forth there's so many rabbit trails but right in the middle of that Jesus's admonition do not be alarmed yes. Um, my my version says, and the American Standard says, don't be frightened. Mm. Fear, as you've already said, is kind of the thing that we have to put at bay under the rule and reign of Jesus to be able to even discern rightly the times and know what to do. Right. Right? Because you can't discern rightly when you're moving by fear. We, we, we are called as believers to move by faith. Mm. And that, that interesting phrase where it says, anything apart from faith is sin. And again, that word sin means to miss the mark. So when you're moving out of fear, you're going to make poor decisions mm-hmm. or poor interpretations or have wrong um, feelings about things. Uh, but when you're moving by faith and trust in God, you can kind of address things. So I want, I want to dive in specifically here, picking up in verse 4, where it says, Jesus answered after they're talking about um, what are all these signs of the temple and all this. Jesus says to them, see that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about how do we find faith over fear, how do we not be alarmed, how do we interpret the times, we got to realize first and foremost that the voices are of the world and of the, and of the, of religious, religious uh, people are giving voice all the time, trying to interpret things for us, tell us what to believe, tell us what we ought to think. And even well-meaning Christians are trying to interpret things all the time, and many times that brings more fear than faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I had had a friend years ago, theologian friend, um, say this, you know, in, in me trying to grapple with how do you uh, grapple with some of the biblical complexities or whatever, and he said, in the end, all good theology leads to grace. Right. If it doesn't lead to grace, you need to back it up and check out what you're thinking and believing about what the Scripture says. So, or another way to say it, all good theology leads to the centrality of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the hope of being eternal home. And so Jesus is saying, hey, we're talking about these temples falling and the buildings and all that. Don't get caught up in that. And don't let other people mislead you, saying this is the way. Basically, he's saying, "Come to me." Yeah, 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 yeah. The centrality of Jesus. He 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 did not mince words about the difficulties that we would encounter yeah. in this life. You know, right. uh, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart; I have overcome the world. Mm. Uh, and but that doesn't minimize again. Right. There's real pain and real complexity. Yeah. And, uh, and we are called to discern the times as well. And I, I think about that passage in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the, the secret things belong to the Lord and the things revealed belong to us and our children that we may do all the works of this law. So I want to be vigilant and diligent to mine out what God has revealed, sure. uh, but then right up as I bump up against that horizon of what he hasn't revealed to stand back in awe of, yeah. of his mystery uh, and to stand in faith. And Another theme that emerged as we were talking this morning, Jimmy, that of, of course, faith over fear. But I think also, um, I'm not on social media, so I'm not in a lot of the swirl of the conversations. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I I do not feel I do not feel like I'm you're missing out most them. of the time. Yes, you're uh, right. but another theme that is you know is common when we feel pressure and when we feel um, complexity and suffering and pain is very naturally self-preservation. Yeah. You know, is right. to um, is to protect self-protect, and, and that's there's a there's a normalcy to that sure. and an expectation of that. At the same time, the call of Jesus for the disciple is of self-sacrifice. Mm. Um, those who seek to save their lives will lose it, but mm. those who lose their lives for my sake and the gospel will find mm. it. And I think, you know, when things are shaking, there's a natural temptation to to try to discern exactly what's going on so I can control my circumstances yes. and control my environment. Um, and, and again, of course, there's wisdom and discernment. Uh, but at the same time, the example of Jesus and the exhortation of Jesus is to give our lives away and press into pain, yeah. move towards brokenness, and be agents of healing and grace and hope. And there's so many beautiful examples of that that are happening even in the midst of this darkness and this chaos that's happening in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, but how can I be that right here right. You know, in Waco and in our context? Yeah. Uh, how can I not seek to preserve my life, uh, again, regardless of what the pressure is that's facing us, but how can I uh, seek to give it away. And, and of course, this in the broader context, Jesus is giving this prophecy right before the cross. I right, mean, this is sure. the, uh, you know, leading up to the Passion Week, and he is about to literally absorb all the darkness and all the sin of mm -hmm. mankind in himself, overcome it through his death and mm -hmm. resurrection. And he's calling his disciples to the same, the same pattern. Yeah, and he uses very real things that we all deal with, right? If you just read the news feeds, um, he said in verse five, verse six, excuse me, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. I, I, I love that uh, part of it. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there'll be famines and earthquakes but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Mm -hmm. So he uses our very real broken world that wars and rumors of wars. I remember hearing a stat the other day that there's only been 8% of the time in recorded world history where there haven't been wars going on among right. the people of the earth. Mm -hmm. So a major world war, uh, another friend of mine that works in the Pentagon said that they are working through a process of planning for a major war by the end of 2025, not because of a prophetic word mm -hmm. from some Christian uh, person, but because Just of the cycles yeah. of war statistically were due one, yeah. which is which is just, it's, it's just a little hard to comprehend in our world. But I, I, I like that Jesus states the obvious. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, all right, these things are going to happen. It's just merely the beginning of birth pangs. <clears throat> now, back to um, if you've ever been in a war, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. It's devastating. I've been in three different wars uh, in that while people are dying and terrible things are happening. If, if you want to say, why do we hate war? Why do we pray for peace? Go, go, go to a war, right? Or if you've ever been in a famine and you've seen emaciated bodies, or you've been in an earthquake right. and the uncontrolled feeling. These are not slight deals. These are very challenging deals mm -hmm. uh, in the midst of it. And he says, all these things are happening. These are kind of the beginning of the shakings of what's about to come ultimately in that last day. So he's saying, these are just 
pointers. These are just things to get you to me. These are just things for you to find your refuge in God, to find your hope and help, not in fear, but in grace. And um, I, uh, I, for Laura and I, you know, it says birth pangs. Of course, many things come to my mind. We had four children, and I was in there with Laura, and I was supposed to be like the breathing and support coach. I've been there. Uh, yeah. yeah, you've been there, the breathing support coach. And um, and Laura had chosen not to do anesthesia or any kind of blocker, so she did them all naturally. And again, she'd be the first person to say, do it a kind of according to your grace. But for her, that's what she felt like she was to do. And so we had a little team approach, and I was going to help her breathe and everything else. And our second daughter, uh, uh, during that birth process, the, the pain was very extreme, uh, less than the first child. So now the second child, we're in it. And the doctor who was attending uh, was a dear friend of ours, and Laura really trusted her. And so I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm the coach, breathe. and But the pain's a little intense. Not a little, it's very intense. A little is whether it's happening to you or not. Sure. And so yeah. uh, it's very intense. And then somewhere in the middle of it, I mean, I couldn't believe her, the gall of my wife. I mean, this sweet, loving, kind person, 99% of the time, she she looks at me as I'm saying, hey, honey, you need to breathe. I'm trying to get her to focus, get her attention, very thing I'm trained to do, what she asked me to do. She said, you shut up and listen to her. And so all of a sudden, I'm out of the game, and the doctor is now her coach. I was like, what happened? In a moment of pain, I got pushed out. The other lady got pushed in. And then, of course, we had another beautiful little girl, and she was healthy, and we were rejoicing. And there's these scriptures about, you know, hey, there's birth pangs for a moment, but then you rejoice after the birth of the child. And Laura said, no, I'm still traumatized yeah. by that by the birth pang. <laughs> So, uh, so the birth pangs are real. They're real. This they're is real. not like this is not like Jesus with a passing comment. No big deal, right? And then he goes on to that next passage where he says, "You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted." Tribulation. Tribulation. I mean, so maybe maybe what I would say, Mick, I get out of this is, hey, um, this is a part of the tribulation of living in a sin-filled world and in a broken world. Not to be minimized, Jesus. This is where Jesus shows up strong and full of grace. But if we don't get to Jesus right. and the gospel, um, we're we're just hanging on, mm -hmm. like you said, for self-preservation instead of finding victory through the gospel. Yeah, yeah, like it. Yeah, vision gives pain purpose, yeah. and the bigger that Jesus. Say that again. That's good work. Yeah, vision gives pain purpose. Mm. And the bigger that Jesus looms in my heart and mind and his reality that, you know, if, if this life is all that we have, then then I should be trying to preserve my life. Yeah, fighting should, it the know, whole time. Yeah. Pain is an enemy. Death is the ultimate enemy. But if Jesus overcame the grave, if he really did raise from the dead and, and the hope of resurrection is promised to the saints and the hope of the eradication of all pain and sorrow and loss and sin and the effects of sin, then then I live my life in light of the resurrection. I live my life in light of that pain. I mm. I can't insulate from from pain because of the call to disciple nations, and that's discipling people, and people are going through pain, and people cause pain, yeah. and so I can't insulate myself from that. Uh, rather, I can daily meet with God, meditate on the nature of Jesus and the hope of resurrection and the, the reality of his kingdom, 
and and then engage with him wherever my assignment happens to be, whether that's here in Waco or in the Middle East or some other mm-hmm. far flung place on the planet. Because this list is grim. I mean, this list yes. in twenty four chapter yeah. twenty four of Matthew's gospel, um, and he he says Jesus knows. He says in verse twelve, because yeah. of lawlessness or yes. because of unrighteousness, because of the increase of sinfulness in the world, uh, the love of many will grow cold. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you lose that prophetic vision of Jesus and mm-hmm. His kingdom, uh, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the proverb, but without prophetic vision, people cast off yes. restraint. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and um, uh, if I miss that, if I lose that connection with Jesus, I'm at risk of my own love growing cold because of just the pain and absurdity of life. He says, but verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Yes. And then, of course, that pivots into a verse that's very near and dear to our hearts at Antioch and this gospel of the kingdom. Uh, will be proclaimed throughout all throughout throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Mm, and then the end will come. So, so again, Jesus rightfully acknowledges that when the these normal, terrible kind of products of a sin filled world happen, the wars, the famines, the destructions, the challenges, the persecutions, he says, "Don't be frightened." And don't let your heart grow hard. Those are two things. And, you know, we we're talking earlier today and I, I, you know, the great thing about community, I just want to say this, I love talking about Jesus with you. And my deal is with, with friends that are watching, just keep the dialogue going around scripture, around the rule of Jesus, because revelation comes in community, not just in isolation. Mm-hmm. It's not just me looking at the Bible or trying to interpret my experience. But when I we do that together, things come out. And one of the things that came out to me was when you, it, Jesus is being real careful, don't harden your heart, don't grow cold, and don't be frightened. And I thought, man, there's two beautiful tools God give me for both is the Word of God, renewing my mind day by day, keeps me soft, keeps my vision clear, keeps perspective. So the truth keeps my heart soft, and prayer allows me to take my fear and turn it into faith. Mm-hmm. If I pray in confidence and trust in God, I offload my anxieties. I pray the promises of God. I pray the the hope of God. So the word and prayer actually keep us from hard-heartedness and fear. And then this last little piece is, though the word and prayer without action, uh, James says, you know, faith without works is dead. So even my personal renewal of the word and my personal prayers without obedience That's right. um, traps me again back into my cycles of my own doing. And um, so that's why I love Jesus then said, now, hey, guys, tough life. I get it. I'm with you. Like you said, he's about to go to the cross. They don't even know it. But this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, that not only the salvation of God, but this message of the salvation and the holistic restoration and the holistic redemption of persons and families and mankind and cities, this gospel of the full <clears throat> kingdom shall be proclaimed in all the earth, and then the end shall come. Right. And this, this, this clarity point that Jesus is saying, out of my great grace, I wish that all men will be saved. I'm giving everyone an opportunity somehow, some, some way. Again, we won't unpack all that today. But to say the admonition of Jesus, if my people will trust me, 
they'll find personal refuge, and then they'll be my ambassadors of mm-hmm. hope in the midst of storms. Mm-hmm. What I think I hear you saying, maybe just to summarize, is in 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 a, as we've been talking about this this morning and over the past couple of weeks, and is that um, you're pointing the finger inward first yes. Yes. of as opposed to or or before trying to evaluate everything that's going on in the world around me. What's the state of my soul? What's the state of my faith? What's the state of my connection to Jesus? And in doing that work first and uh, in that that hidden work of meditating on scripture and prayer and worship of God, exaltation of God, connection with the body of Christ, reconnects me to truth and enables me to settle and center my emotions so that then I can engage in my assignment and you know, Osgenis, uh, you're familiar with Osgenis. Yeah, yeah. He was just right. He was in Wake. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was out of I town. I missed day, it. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate his work. And he talks about the phenomenon of giantism, where with the advent of technology and social media and everything, we are instantly connected to every problem on the planet. Mm-hmm. And instead of shrinking the world, that's actually made it that much bigger, where we feel, you know, we feel this responsibility as compassionate Christians sure. to. Uh, to to solve the world's problems and ease the world's pain, uh, and we can become overwhelmed by the scope of the problems in the world. Rather, each of us has a garden, so to speak. Think of Adam and Eve, yeah. commissioned to tend the garden. God has given us kind of a, an effective range of our will, a, a mm-hmm. place in a space that I can appropriate the grace that I've connected with in Jesus to the people around me, and then to pray into the chaos beyond the scope of just my time and time and space. And so maybe just as a, as a reflection, you know, amidst what's going on, uh, in current events, mm-hmm. what's the state of your soul? Yes. You know, what's yeah. the state of my soul? Am I connected with the source? Am yes. I framing reality through a biblical worldview? Right. Uh, am I connected to the people of God where I am tempering my, my tendencies to kind of go off the rails, yeah. you know, to one ditch or the other? And then am I being faithful to my assignment, to the things that I actually can impact and influence? Mm-hmm. And then am I, am I praying? You talk about, talk about our obedience to pray, give, and go. Yeah. So do I have a practical response to some, you know, we're talking about what's going on in the Middle East, but, you know, uh, in the, quietly in the background, or not quietly for those who experienced it, but, you know, there's an earthquake in Afghanistan yeah. that kills 2,500 people, yes. um, flattens villages, and you know, there's, uh, we could go continent by continent, you know, so Lord, what, is there a, a point of response for me to ease the pain of, of the world, to engage the pain? Yeah. yeah. So maybe the, the, the rapid day or the purpose of the day is, Hey, how do we find Jesus in troubled times and not to be alarmed, not to be surprised when trouble comes upon us? You know, Timothy says, don't be surprised when a fire ordeal comes upon you. This is like, Hey, Life's a challenge. We work it through, but it's not only uh, a place to find Jesus so that we can endure, but it's a place to find Jesus so that we might proclaim his rule and reign and not just be rescued, but be rescuers. So spend our energy, Jimmy, if I'm hearing you correctly, not trying to tease out the exact uh, unfolding of the end times. Uh, rather eagerly anticipate Jesus's return and participate in it by extending the rule and reign of Jesus. You got it. Around the world. You got it. Amen. People need Jesus now.
Yes. So let's live in his presence. Let's love people appropriately. Let's obey God fully and trust him with what we cannot control. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.